Today, I want to talk about investing in stocks. This is not an episode to help you speculate in the market or to promote gambling in financial markets. Buying stocks based on a hunch or a tip from a friend without understanding the underlying principles of investing with the intent to make a quick buck before you exit is what I refer to as gambling. So whenever someone tells me that they have a secret stock tip that is going to make them all this money, I cringe because either it's number one, insider information and illegal, or two, a false hope that illustrates how little they truly know about equities and how the broader market works. No one can predict or time the market over the long term. And in fact, over 79% of actively managed funds underperform the market, meaning they earn less returns than if you had money invested in a passive low-cost index fund. So yes, you may be able to beat the market, but with investment fees, taxes, and human emotion working against you, you're more likely to beat it through luck than skill. So in fact, if you can merely match the S&P 500 minus a small fee, you'll be doing better than most investors. So in this episode, I want to lay out some fundamental principles for investing in stocks to drive long-term value and growth for your portfolio, because I believe you can follow certain strategies to be successful in investing in stocks, but it's a long-term game. So to start, let me provide some context. A stock, which is also known as equity, is a financial security that represents the ownership of a fraction of the issuing company. So in other words, let's say a company issues 100 shares of stock, which represents 100% ownership of the equity in the business. If you buy 10 shares out of those 100, you will own 10% of the company and have rights to that proportionate share of the business's assets and earnings. So there are two types of stocks, preferred and common. Preferred stockholders typically do not have voting rights, but they have a higher claim on assets and earnings compared to common stockholders. I'll save the details for another episode, but for today, we'll be discussing investing in common stock. When a company needs capital to fund operations or grow the business, it can either go acquire debt through a loan or by issuing bonds, or it can issue stock, which is selling a fraction of its equity, assets, and earnings to investors. Owning stock gives you the right to vote in shareholder meetings, receive dividends if and when they are distributed, and the right to sell your shares to somebody else. Stocks are bought and sold, mostly on stock exchanges, and are the foundation of many individual investors' portfolios. Stocks are heavily monitored and have to conform to government regulations that are meant to protect investors from fraudulent practices. There are thousands of stocks to invest in, so here are some fundamentals to follow when you're looking to buy into this asset class. The first step is to ask yourself, when will you need the money you are looking to invest? If you're worried about losing the money or you may need it in the short term, say within one to two years, I would avoid investing in stocks. Plus, remember that any gains you realize by selling your investment within one year will be subject to higher ordinary tax, not capital gains. When it comes to investing in stocks, you should be thinking about a longer horizon for holding these securities, say 5, 10, or 20 years. In other words, don't take the money you have set aside for your mortgage or college tuition and play it in the stock market. That's gambling, and you may be just as lucky as playing the odds in Vegas, and you may have a little bit more fun being in Las Vegas. So let's talk about how to invest in stocks without gambling. So the next thing you want to do is look at the resources around you that may give you an advantage as an investor. Such things may include geography, like maybe you live near a publicly listed company 
and you notice they're expanding their manufacturing plant, which is due to them experiencing higher growth, or they want to you know, continue to grow their product line or service line. Or let's say you work in an industry and you know about recent trends or innovations that may drive higher earnings. Or maybe you use a certain product or service and you're intimate with how they work. So for example, I love Chipotle. They started in Colorado. And when they initially went public and even years after, I noticed how busy their stores were with lines out the door. So I decided to invest on the prospect of continued sustained growth after I went through all these steps. And that firsthand knowledge, like being actually in the store, eating the burrito and saying, wow, this is really good. I'll do it over and over again. And thinking to myself, like, how much money do I spend on Chipotle a week? Other people must be doing the same thing. I realized that, you know, there's potential for growth and that decision and investment paid off. So you may have resources that may give you an investor's edge right in front of your face here whether it's geography or you're working in an industry or you're intimate with their products and services. So make sure you leverage that when investing in stocks. The third step is to evaluate stocks based on categories. So this will help you understand what questions to ask and how to analyze potential investments. So there are five main categories of stocks. Fast growers, those are companies that are growing at 25% or more per year. Slow growers, cyclicals, turnarounds, and asset plays. Now, keep in mind that not everyone out there will fit perfectly into one of these categories, and maybe some companies will straddle between two categories. Also, companies can change categories over time. So for example, fast-growing companies may become slow growers, cyclicals can become turnarounds, and turnarounds can fall back into the cyclical category. So don't limit your questions or analysis based on a particular category. Instead, you should diligently seek to understand the story behind each company you invest in. And that's what I keep trying to promote here with boosting your financial IQ. It's about understanding the story behind the numbers. So let me help you with that. So let's explore each of these categories in more detail. And then this may help you to understand what questions to ask or seek answers for before investing in these companies. So first, with fast growers, as I mentioned, a fast-growing company is one that experiences a growth rate greater than 25% per year. This means in three years, they will double in size, six years, they'll quadruple, and so on. Make sure when you're looking at fast-growing companies, you consider whether or not the growth can be sustained and if they have a strong enough balance sheet to support the growth. Some high-growth companies can get in trouble real fast if they don't have the cash required to keep up with the high capital demands related to fast growth. So be aware of this because I've seen a lot of companies that grow themselves out of business. So be mindful. The next category is slow growers. For these companies, you'll want to ensure that there is steady earnings growth on the horizon. Also check if there are rising dividends, which may drive the stock price higher. In the long term, there has to be room for continued growth. For example, when McDonald's lunch and dinner menu began to stall, the company expanded their offerings by creating a breakfast menu, which contributed to more consistent sustained growth for years to come. The next category is cyclicals. This category typically includes big ticket or discretionary items that are in demand when the economy is doing well. For example, this may include houses, cars, furniture, hotel chains, airlines, high-end clothing retailers, etc. But don't try to time cyclicals unless you have an investor's edge of some sort because everybody on Wall Street tries to time cyclicals and you have to be really savvy to do well in this category. 
So in other words, don't buy on hope, waiting for something to change. Instead, look for companies that may have depressed earnings due to a market change, but also have low debt and good cash flow to weather the storm. If you plan right in this category, you could do really, really well. So when I was a CFO of a renewable energy company, the renewable energy company's sales went from like 300 million a year down to 80 million. And that's because tariffs were put on solar panels and steel. And before the tariffs went on to these commodities, developers, they didn't understand how this would impact their profit and loss and their return on investment. So they held off on you know developing these projects. So it, as a result, this renewable energy company really took a nosedive and is privately traded. So it didn't impact the stock price you know, from a, a publicly traded standpoint, but it did definitely have an impact on the company's valuation if they wanted to sell at that time. But then fast forward a couple of years, the tariffs were figured out, tax credits were put in place, and the industry just exploded. And the company's backlog grew to $1 billion. And so you can imagine what that did to the valuation as well. So cyclicals can work out really, really well if you know how to play them right. So just be aware of that. The fourth category is turnarounds. Now I do turnarounds for a living, so I could tell you most turnarounds fail. But the ones that are successful are those companies that have enough cash to cover operations and losses. They don't have a lot of debt coming due soon, and they have a good strategy and the ability to execute on that plan to transform the business. So if you trust the management team, if you trust the brand, if you trust their ability to actually transform the business, turnaround stocks, they can provide significant payoffs to be aware of that. Fifth category is asset plays. These stocks typically involve companies that have been around for 20, 30, 40 or more years, and they have hidden assets that the market doesn't recognize. Now, I don't mean that they are hiding assets. Instead, I mean they may have real estate that they bought decades ago, and these assets are listed on the balance sheet at book value instead at market value. In addition to real estate, these companies may have strong brands that are not represented on the balance sheet and these brands allow the company to enter new markets or introduce new products at a greater scale and profit than competitors. So some asset plays will actually sell their stock for less than the cash value per share. So let's say you take the total cash of a company, less debt, divided by the number of shares, and it's $10 a share, and you buy the stock for $10 a share, you're essentially paying nothing for the stock. So asset plays can be opportunistic and if you know what you're looking for, they could be very smart investments. Now that you understand the categories of stocks and are beginning to ask questions based on these classifications, it's time to understand the financial side of the investment. So first, stock prices follow earnings. So you have to understand if the management of the company has the capabilities and the resources to grow earnings consistently over the long run. So you have to ask yourself, do they have a strong brand? Can they manage costs? Do they have new products? Are they innovative? Can they execute, etc.? These are some questions to consider. Do they have a plan in place to make earnings and dividends rise? Overall, do they have a good strategy and market position? Number two, you can evaluate the price to earnings ratio or the PE ratio. And one way to look at the PE ratio, and I'm simplifying this, is that it represents the number of years it'll take for you to earn your money back if the growth rate stays consistent based on what it's valued at right now. So if the PE ratio is higher than the expected growth rate over the next two to three years, 
the stock may be expensive and vice versa. Dividends are also a good thing to evaluate. Dividends come from profits and can be a good way to measure company success. Maybe less for fast growers who plow their profits back into the company, but for slow growers for sure. But you have to be careful because a company that pays out too much of its earnings and dividends may be in trouble in the long run as they are reinvesting less in the business and are operating without a cushion with a lower margin of error. The statement of cash flow is the most critical financial statement to examine. This will help you to understand where the company generates cash, albeit from operating, investing, or financing activities. If the company is burning through cash, or in other words, has negative operating cash flow, it must have the ability to sustain its cash position by either getting to positive operating cash flow or by raising more capital. So if the company's already leveraged, they have a lot of debt, um, or let's just say the, the market is softening, the economy isn't doing too well, and they may struggle to raise more capital, this may be definitely a warning sign. So you have to understand where cash is coming from in those three categories. And if you want to learn more about the statement of cash flow, I did an episode previously that helps you understand it much better. So be sure to check that out. Make sure you understand the flows of cash in the business though. And the statement of cash flow will help you with this. The balance sheet is a critical thing to evaluate before investing in a company because it will help you to understand its financial strength. First, you want to ensure that the company has enough cash to fund growth and operations. If the company is losing money, you want to ensure that the company has a long enough runway or the ability to raise more capital to sustain operations and growth. That's what I just mentioned. So if you subtract cash from the sum of all short-term debt and long-term debt, and it's at least 25% of net worth, the balance sheet is likely in good shape. Now, this, these are just rules of thumb, so you definitely want to check the benchmarks for the industry. If the shorter-term debt or if short-term debt plus long-term debt minus cash is greater than net worth, the balance sheet is weak. If total debt is greater than 50% of a company's total capitalization, which is debt plus equity, the company is typically considered to be highly leveraged. But keep in mind, like I said, this is only a rule of thumb and it varies by industry. Like in banking, this ratio could be much higher than 50%. So evaluate these metrics based on industry benchmarks. Also, be sure to account for lease obligations when you're considering debt because this is a form of debt and oftentimes these amounts could be very substantial. So make sure you dig into the footnotes to understand what the lease obligations are of the company. So in short, companies with a lot of cash and little debt typically have strong balance sheets. But as mentioned previously, you also want to evaluate cash per share. So take the total cash divided by total number of shares to understand really what the cash per share value is. What you paid for the share of stock less this amount represents hypothetically your net amount paid for the stock. You still pay the money for the stock, but if there's a cash value to the stock intrinsically on the the balance sheet, then you could really understand your net amount by doing this calculation. Okay, lastly, you'll wanna look at the net income of the company. This can be done by looking at the income statement. And once again, I did an episode dedicated solely to the income statement. So check that out if you want to learn more about how to leverage the income statement when making decisions. But you want to make sure that the company has the ability to grow earnings year over year. And there are only two ways to do this, increase sales or reduce cost. So most companies work to do both of these things. The income statement will tell you if the company is succeeding and how effective management is at controlling these financial levers. So the income statement measures a company's ability to deliver products and services at a profit. 
So make sure you check that out. Because remember, earnings and dividend growth will typically dictate the direction of a stock price. So overall, you have to understand the story behind the numbers and the investment that you're making, or your risk will be much higher. So keep in mind that stories can change, so you have to monitor a company's performance over the long run. But keep it simple. You don't have to do these massive spreadsheets and make it all overly complicated. Investing in stocks can be risky, so you'll have to be willing to accept losses as well. But if you can follow sound principles and follow a long time horizon, your upside can be substantial. So I hope this was helpful. And remember, you could always go to byfiq.com for more resources. So until next episode, take care of yourself and remember to stay involved in the community, provide feedback and follow me on social media so we can continue our journey of boosting our financial IQ together. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.